All right. This is Bezel Bay, and this is WTDTA Radio. And what we're doing today is we actually are going over this whole concept of accountability. And pretty much when we go over the level of accountability, we want to make sure that everybody understands how these things are applicable. Now, I know we got a lot of people that have been trying to um, figure out how all this stuff kind of ties in, how it works, what's most applicable, how it's applicable, and how we actually come to the realization of these uh, accounting principles. Um, you know, we got a lot of people that's been tuning into the broadcast. So I, what I decided to do is use my nifty little tool here to be able to bring you this information direct, uninterrupted, without the, um, how you want to say, the distractions. Um, again, you know, one thing about information, they say we perish for the lack of knowledge. So as long as we're actually in the capacity where we can benefit from what's really actually going on, then we can really, really, really move forward in, in the direction that we need to go. So, again, don't get I don't get uh, I don't let a lot of things kind of stand in my way when I really got a lot of stuff that's um, need to be done. Uh, we got about 4,000 listeners right now in the broadcast. Um, they're enjoying the content that's being done on our international feed. So for all of my folks here in the States. Um, Not to leave you out, I'm going to make sure that you definitely get what you need also. Because, again, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, we ain't going nowhere. So, uh, that's what I'm going to do. Let me bring up my nifty little chart here. And I'm going to go over all this stuff that's um, pertaining to accounting. And about um, on August 3rd, um, I went over this particular concept dealing with um, the accounting concept. And I talked about the banking in the box, the Celesque Trust, and various different things that go along with that. And I'm, I'm gonna go over tonight just how impactful this this should all be when you're when you're proper, and um, and where you are with all of this. But again, I'm gonna you know do my best to try to give everybody a chance to kind of understand this from a a certain perspective. So again, I'm gonna start with the Celesque Trust. I'm going to talk about the United States debt clock. I'm going to show you why this is impactful and that you need to really take advantage of this. And I'm going to let you do your own research. Remember, I tell everyone, um, don't take my word for it. Do your own research. I'm a firm believer that each one should teach one. And what I'm here to do is to simply provide you information that you can definitely benefit from and grow on. Um, you know, again, so this is coming directly from the broadcast that you were listening to earlier. I just simply just switched the feed so everybody can actually listen to it without me being interrupted and a lot of folks being dropped off and all that other stuff. So that way we can get exactly what we're looking to get. Now, guess what? If you could be literally, um, if you could actually put these things in a perspective where you can, um, can grow on these then the whole concept of accounting will become very, very easy for you to um, truly benefit from. So, so let, let me let me let me share with you what I mean. All right, well, first of all, let's go to the actual accounting concept. Matter of fact, I'm gonna do two things. I got two documents here that I downloaded, but I'm gonna download them again. You know why I'm gonna download them again? Because I want to have them immediately at my disposal. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Um, let me see. I'm going to go here. Yeah, there we go. I want to, I want to get this. Uh, I'm going to see if I can open this file here. Oh, it's okay. So it won't let me open it. So I got to go down here and get it. So let me get the file. Let me get the file. Let me get the file. And while I'm getting this file, uh, I'm going to um, 
bring up a lot of pertinent information pertaining to um, what we're dealing with. See, this information is designed to bring you to a fruition, to a point where you can truly, truly, truly benefit from the training and the information. But this information and training is more important than the actual implementation of it. Because without the knowledge, you don't know, you're kind of operating without a safety net in terms of the the true level of applicability that you're actually working with. You know, a lot of you don't, you know, you're learning how these things can be used. But as you learn what you really have, they become that much more of a benefit. But see, a lot of folks, see, when when I'm speaking to you, in the terms of what we're talking about with these things, I'm coming from that perspective of do you really know what you're dealing with when we're talking about accounting concepts and principles? Um, because it's the perception of it that is the key. You must develop a concept of perception that protects you in the most beneficial position desirable. And because everyone outside of your accounting perception is doing the exact same thing to preserve and protect their Article 9 security interest in whatever contract and or trust uh, indemniture that they are uh, a part of. It's just as simple as that. And But again, it becomes somewhat, I ain't going to say confusing. I, what I talk to individuals, they understand it. It's just they're, they're trying to come to a concept and they run right past they 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 go back to sleep in other words they go back to the connotative meaning of things expecting denotative uh remedy did i say that right yeah you are you're kind of you you have a connotative concept of what's going on and so when you're when your concept begins to challenge what you were taught you are looking for the connotative component because that's the most familiar thing you've been engaged with to justify the denotative which was the true perception of what was being done it was just hidden in plain sight only because we have been accustomed to letting something or someone else define what's right and wrong when we were endowed with the uh ability to um to make that determination so i have to i've spent a great deal of time going back to do you understand where you are in this accounting equation do you understand what you're doing in this accounting equation uh do you uh accept your position in this accounting equation Uh, because when you accept when you understand when you um, know am I saying that right yeah when you when you know who you are in these things then it becomes very easy for you to determine uh, which way you go but remember your 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 connotative concept of commerce came about just like most of us. Okay, our first experience with with money was like this. Okay, we we literally 
I go back. I use my brother as an example. Okay, my first experience with money was that my 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 parents my parent, you know, taught me that a Federal Reserve note is money. Okay, and so we had to determine the value of money. So they told me that a piece of paper was literally the same as a hundred pieces of copper. Now, I was told to accept it and not challenge the narrative. Now, initially, I challenged it because I was like, how can this be the same when it don't look the same? It don't weigh the same. It don't feel the same. Uh, what do you mean by the same? And so they had, to, they had to give me a connotative concept of value. You know, they had to give me a connotative concept of value. They had to give me a concept of value where I put the blinders on to the obvious and I focused on the connotative concept of value. Okay. And when I accepted that, I had to now lean on that understanding when it came to someone who called upon me to explain what was explained to me which was my brother at the time you know we were two years apart so i used to sit down with him and we laugh about this now but um he was very practical so you couldn't just pour a whole lot of complex stuff on him at one time it's just like trying to pour you know, you got a bowl that'll actually hold the water, but you got to slowly pour it in. Because if you just splash it in, just as fast as it hit the bowl, it's going to spill right back out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go in and come right back out. That's how my brother is. You know, you can't just pour stuff on him. You know, I mean, you just can't throw stuff on him. You got to pour it slowly so he can retain it. All right, so um, we used to go round and round and, do, and have a knock-down drag out argument and fight about money and because he was convinced that 100 pieces of copper was not the same as one piece of paper he wasn't buying it i don't care how you showed it to him he was like i don't see where this is the same and just because again this is my brother just because you said it's the same it don't look the same to me so what you're saying is not making sense to me. Why is it the same? Is what he was saying. And I and I couldn't the only thing I could rebut was it's because hell mom said it was the same. <laughs> because mom said so. <laughs> That's why. Don't ask me how. I'm just, I'm just repeating what was, you know, and that's literally how we, the argument would always end. I don't I don't know why. I just know this is what they told me. And if you're gonna get in if you and so I had to start so I so so I had him with I know what you're saying is right, but everybody else evidently they believe this. They believe that's what it is. So we didn't write the rules. This is just how it works. But he kept challenging. It's not the fucking same. It's not the same. So why 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 are we why this makes no sense? I mean. If you can't, and again, we laugh about it now because I realize my brother had way more sense than I give him credit for. You know, I was easily deceived, you know, and and, and my mom was deceived, and a lot of us have been deceived. 
you know, you know, I went to school, I got three college degrees and a whole bunch of other stuff. And they didn't teach me half the stuff that I've learned dealing in trusteeship and working on my own and with people who are truly seeking the ability to perpetuate their estate. And that's the most ironic part of this whole thing. It ain't you you ain't gotta believe nothing I'm saying to you. Just make a decision to take a concept of what you're learning, stand on it, and then look at if it's really like because again, first of all, a dollar constitutional money has always been coin, not paper. At one point, when the when gold was attached to the paper, that you could actually take paper and exchange it for gold. But when they decoupled the gold away from the paper, the paper can have an abnormal balance because it's not based in an intrusive asset. That's why cash cannot be a gap item. And when I say gap, gap stands for generally accepted accounting principles. Generally accepted accounting principles. I'm going to say this again slowly. Gap stands for generally accepted accounting principles. That's what gap stands for. A lot of folks, I, I say gap and FASPI, not f- like like uh, FASPI, F-A-S-B, FASPI. FASPI is the Financial Accounting Standard Board. The Financial Accounting Standard Board, FASPI, F-A-S-B, FASPI, is the Financial Accounting Standard Board. And GAAP, G-A-A-P, is the Generally Accepted Accounting Principles. So, in accordance with the Generally Accepted Accounting Principles and the Financial Accounting Standard Board, cash is not considered a Generally Accepted Accounting Principle because it has been detached from Elodio Assets. So, because it's been detached from Elodio assets, we have to come to a clear and concise overstanding and understanding of exactly what we're dealing with. And what we're dealing with is the concept. All right, like I'm going to go into some things and I'm going to talk about accounting equations and I'm going to give this to you in the best way I can. All right. When we talk about accounting equations, I want you to think about assets. I want you to think about liabilities. And I want you to think about equity. And I want you to frame this in your head. Assets equal liabilities plus equity. Assets equal liabilities plus equity. Now let's talk about this word assets. Alright, assets are tangible or intangible properties owned by a business that have an exchange value. Assets 
are tangible or intangible properties owned by a business that has or that have an exchange value. Let's talk a little bit on assets. Let's get a little deep with this thing. Okay. In the aspect of assets, we're going to talk about two specific types of assets. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, tangible assets and intangible assets. Now, I'm going to give you the best definition that you can that you can get. And I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down and I want you to take notes on this because this right here is going to I feel is going to be the best thing that can help a lot of you guys. Okay, when we talk about tangible assets, I want you to understand that a tangible asset is a is what we call a current asset. Okay. All right. So a tangible asset is a current asset. And we're talking about accounting now. We're talking about accounting. I'm giving you accounting equations i'm giving you the generally accepted accounting principles which means it's the common set of accounting principles and procedures it's generally accepted okay okay all right you follow me you follow me okay everybody follow me so we're going to talk about tangible assets as being current assets which are assets that are expected to be sold within one year in other words a current asset to a company is an asset that can be sold a year in the future. Hmm. And, and this kind of messes people up a little bit when I when I go in this direction, but I have to go in this direction because I'm trying, I'm challenging your connotative concept. I have to challenge your connotative concept. You know, just like my brother challenged my connotative concept. How can this be? How can this be? I'm telling you, accounting will show you in trusteeship the separation of the public and private. Because it's going to get very distinctive in just a minute. See, Okay, so that's tangible assets, current assets. So tangible assets are current assets. Well, what are what's a different type of asset? You know, what's the intangibles? Okay, here's the intangibles. The intangibles are considered long-term assets. Hmm. Long-term assets. Yeah, let's talk about long-term assets. All right, a long-term asset is an asset expected to be used for more than one year. See, uh uh General intangible asset. Let's let's talk about general intangibles, and I'm gonna give you some more definitions of the general intangible asset. Because I'm not gonna just gonna leave you hanging. I'm not just gonna just leave you out there. I'm not just gonna not give you um, a life preserver. You know, I'm going. To, I'm. I will. Um, I'm a firm believer in leaving no man behind, and I'm gonna make sure that I don't leave no man behind. So we're gonna talk about this concept. We're gonna build on this concept. I'm gonna give you some um, some things to to go deep into what we're talking about so that you have proper standing alright now remember what I'm giving you is accounting principles accounting principles generally accepted accounting principles so first of all let's talk about the accounting principles again alright to distinguish accounting principles from the sense in which the term principles is used 
in physical science. Various other terms like postulates, concepts, conventions, doctrines, and tenets, maxims, assumptions, etc. have been used by writers of accounting theory. Instead of wasting our time to discuss the precise meaning of these generic terms, we should concern ourselves with the specific significance and importance of these ideas in the practical work of the accountants. However, a slight distinction is made between two terms, which are concepts and conventions. All right. So you got concepts and you have conventions. Okay, watch what I just said about the connotative component of accounting. However, a slight distinction is made between the two term concepts and conventions. The term concept is used to connote, means connotate, is used to connote the accounting postulates, i.e. necessary assumptions and ideas which are fundamental to accounting practice. The term convention is convention is used to signify customs and traditions as a guide to the preparation of accounting statements. Okay, I just went into your connotative concept. I'm giving you these are concepts that accountants use to justify the fraud that Federal Reserve notes is money. Because when I could not explain it to my brother that Okay. This is your host, Bezel Bay, and you're now tuning in to WTDTA Radio. And this is Trustee Training. And the Trustee Training is my job to bring you this information in a way that you can actually understand it, apply it, acquire it, and achieve it. Um, so what are we going to be talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about the accounting equations. The accounting equations have been kind of the the prerequisite of just how these things kind of all tie in when it comes to current expected credit losses. And I'm going to elaborate on the accounting concept and accounting equations for everybody to kind of get a real good idea. And I'm actually going to give you an introduction um, to accounting. All right, so we start with the word accounting itself. What is accounting? Accounting is the information system relating to or relating in the financial activities of a business. Okay, under the accounting introduction, you're going to learn about the generally accepted accounting principles. And the, gen- the generally accepted accounting principles, which we refer to as GAAP, are the common set of accounting pr- um, principles and procedures. Um, then we're going to talk about the basic methods of accounting. The basic methods of accounting, you're going to have what they call a cash basis um, accounting cash basis and a cash basis accounting um it's a report excuse me of revenues when cash is received i mean it's the reports of expenses when cash is paid out so in other words you have cash basis 
accounting. And these are reports. This reports revenues when cash is received and reports expenses when cash is paid. Then you have the accrual basis accounting. And the accrual basis accounting reports uh, revenue in the period when the cash is earned and the report expense when occurred. I'm going to say this again slowly. I'm slowing down because I kind of want you to understand. Remember we talked about connotative concept. Okay. Accrual basis accounting reports revenue in the period when cash is earned. Report expense when incurred. That's the accrual basis. So I want to I want you to understand that remember the cash basis accounting ultimately is used to put reporters or debtors in a position where their entire balance sheet of financial accounting is viewed in a capacity which puts them under scrutiny because cash is a non-generally accepted accounting principle. It's a non-gap item. So if you're using a cash basis accounting, you have just moved into a non-gap item which allows the entity that has substantiated itself to consider that account as a liability. And if it's a liability, a liability is an obligation that has to be repaid and you're going to be viewed under current liability and long-term liability, then you become an asset on another entity's balance sheet. It's a connotative concept which if applied to your method of accounting, creates a vacuum of equity. It becomes a vacuum for accounts receivables. becomes a vacuum that extorts away the position of any Article 9 security interest that may be applicable because you have not taken the superior position using the accrual basis accounting. You opted to demonstrate because it's not what you say in commerce, it's what you do that determines who you are. Your actions have been construed as a cash basis. So as an accountant, when I look at your balance sheet and income statement, Based upon how these things are being reported, remember, debtors file, creditors report. So as a creditor, you're reporting that you're using a cash basis method of accounting that immediately places the balance sheet in an adverse position. And under CECL, you're given what we call allowances for credit losses. But those allowances for credit losses will become non-existent if you're in a cash based accounting model if you're in an accrual based method of accounting model then CISA will le- will let you leverage and actually acquire uh, 
double value for your credit losses because in order for you to truly hedge against those expenses you have to demonstrate through a three-tier reconciliation system of where you are in the aspect of accounting remember the accounting equation is assets equal liabilities plus equity assets are either general or in or they're, they're usually tangible or intangible properties owned by a business that have an exchange value. That's what that's what assets are. And then you have what they call current assets. A current asset is an asset expected to be sold within one year. That's a current asset. So if you got an asset that is expected to be sold within one year, that current asset can be used today. It's current. If you got a long-term asset, that's an asset that is expected to be sold. That's that's an asset that is expected to be used for more than one year. So a long-term asset, you're going to use it for more than a year. And a current asset is expected to be sold within one year. You see how that kind of works out? Uh, Let's talk about equity just for a second. Well, before we get to equity, let's talk about liability. Again, I just broke down current asset, long-term asset. So let's talk about liability. Remember, assets equal your liabilities plus equity. So the liabilities are an obligation that has to be repaid. And what is a current liability? A current liability that is a liability that must be settled within one year. Mm-hmm. And so what is the long-term liability? Well, long-term liability is a liability, uh, a liability that can be settled over a period longer than one year. So you can have a long-term liability that becomes a current asset. Did you catch that? You can have a current asset that can be reconciled with a long-term liability. Let's talk about the other side of the equation. Then. Okay, uh, we have what they call owner's equity. So what are what is owner's equity? Well, owner's equity are the rights of owner or or owners, rights of owner. So whenever there are rights, rights can be considered an asset combined with liability. So let's break down owner's equity. Well, owner's equity you can you can go to what we call contributed capital. So contributed capital is an amount invested in a in a corporation by the owners. The contributed capital. Then you also would have what they call retained earnings. Well, retained earnings is income earned through operations. Wow. So the equity, which are rights of the owners or owners can be breaking basically broken into contributed capital which is an amount invested into the corporation by the owners and then you also have retained earnings which is the income earned through the operation so both the return retained earnings and contributed capital makes up the equity which is the rights of the owners and they're able to to combine that with their long-term liabilities which become current assets wow now let's let's talk about assets just for a second okay 
uh, a lot of people will, will you're gonna, you gonna, I know you're going to probably fumble and stumble over what I just said, so I'm going to clean this up a little bit more. All right, let's talk about cash, because this is an asset that a lot of individuals, and again, cash, paper money, coin, bank balances, checks, money orders, bank drafts, cash is usually a current asset, but if it but it it if its use is restricted it could become a long-term asset see cash is a non-gap item because it can always have an adverse component so when you list cash as an asset it could be restricted and it can only be used as a long-term asset and if it's a long-term asset which is going to be settled over the, a period of a, of longer than a year, it's going to depreciate. It's going to lose its buying power. And if an asset isn't making money for you, is it really an asset or is it a liability? You see how quickly the tide turns? See, another man's trash can actually be another man's treasure. Another man's cash can also become another man's asset. Follow me? Hmm. Another man's cash can can become another accountant's asset. Another man's cash can become a trustee's Article 9 security interest. Okay, let's talk about the word skimming. What is skimming? Skimming is the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. Brother Bay, why are we talking about skimming? Well, because we're talking about uh, current expected credit losses. We're talking about skimming because the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. See, tax evasion, if you're a 14th Amendment entity, is not allowed. It's a violation of the rules. See, so you have what they call abusive tax practices. And they're saying they're not illegal. It's just that some people abuse them. Which means they have the exorbitant amount of cash, right? And so they fail to list these things and they they are in direct violation of GAP and FASB. So just like you get a frivolous filing, they'll ridicule you for skimming. So you don't have to report all cash receipts if you understand what cash is and what it isn't most don't thus they violate the uniform commercial code let's talk about the separation of duties well the separation of duty get an example cashier does not handle books i repeat the separation of duties when dealing with assets is that cashiers does not handle books the cashier like i give an example if the money taker if you're in a Fortress Amendment structure, the separation of duties doctrine will not allow a cashier to handle the books. So there's a separate department that handles the books. See, if you're a trustee, you can handle the books because the trustees hires the accountant to provide a third-party endorsement. Let's talk about the internal control of cash because, see, we're talking about accounting equation concepts see the internal control of cash 
is the separation of duties. Deposit cash in the bank each day. All disbursements through pre-numbered checks. Uh, they also reconcile bank accounts monthly and they set up petty cash fund. See, these are the internal control of cash. See, when there's a system in play, you got to use an internal control of cash. So you also have what they call deposits and transit, which is uh, banks have not yet recorded companies' deposits on its books. So you have deposits and transit. Deposits and transit become a ledgering tool when you're dealing with assets. Then you have what they call outstanding checks. You see, these checks, checks that have been written but have not yet cleared the bank. You have outstanding checks. Then you're dealing with overdraft, which is writing checks for more money than in the accounts. Then you have an overdraft component. Then you have correcting overdrafts. You know, make deposits to cover the overdraft. Make entry for any charges incurred. Many banks will make amounts, will make automatic loans to depositors who have overdrafts. And an extra fee is charged for this service. So you're going to have overdraft and then correcting overdrafts. Uh, then you're also going to have what they call petty cash funds. See, a petty cash fund pays for small cash items such as newspapers, delivery uh, funds. You know, it's funds set up in a certain amount of cash and all payments made from this fund are to be reconciled with the signed receipts. Uh, it's a petty cash fund. Then you also deal with what we call accounts receivables. See, account receivables are customers and or promises to pay. A, co- a customer's promise or promise to pay later. Uh, it arises from the business of making sales on credit. See, the accounts receivables are sales on credit. Then you have what they call notes receivable. These are written promises to pay from debtors. And these have what they call discounting note receivables, which is the selling um, of our debtors' notes to banks at a lesser value. And we have to use what they call the computing uh, interest. We use the computing interest um, in an actual ratio of what we call principal times rate times time, e.g. 5,000 times 10% times one year equals $500. Uh, that particular compound interest is actually being used when you're using discounting notes in a, in a notes receivable scenario. We also move into what we call inventory. And inventory is merchandise, a firm, holds, or manufactures. When we're dealing with land, land is a uh, any property of a firm which owns and uses for the operation then you have what they call a building a building is any structure a firm owns such as a warehouse or office that's a building then you have equipment uh, office equipment furniture uh fixtures then we have intangible assets and intangible assets are those that cannot be actually touched, such as patents, copyrights, trademarks, franchises, but they have an intrusive value, they have an equitable value, and they're considered intangible assets, which leads us to the point 
General intangible assets is the safest place a trustee can place the first part of his ledger. In the next recording, we're going to expound on these assets. We're going to go into liabilities and we're going to talk about equity. Hopefully this information is starting to make a little more sense to you. Hopefully uh, you will be able to really follow this. This is actually what we call the accounting equation part two. And we are breaking down how accounting works. Peace and love, family. Peace and love. Okay, this is your host, Bezel Bay, and you're now tuning in to WTDTA Radio, and this is Trustee Training. And in Trustee Training, it's my job to bring you this information in a way that you can actually understand it, apply it, acquire it, and achieve it. Um, so what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the accounting equations. The accounting equations have been kind of the the prerequisite of just how these things kind of all tie in when it comes to current expected credit losses. And I'm going to elaborate on the accounting concept and accounting equations for everybody to kind of get a real good idea. And I'm actually going to give you an introduction um, to accounting. All right, so we start with the word accounting itself. What is accounting? Accounting is the information system relating to or relating in the financial activities of a business. Okay, under the accounting introduction, you're going to learn about the generally accepted accounting principles. And the, gen- the generally accepted accounting principles, which we refer to as GAAP, are the common set of accounting pr- um, principles and procedures. Um, then we're going to talk about the basic methods of accounting. The basic methods of accounting, you're going to have what they call a cash basis um, accounting cash basis. In the cash basis accounting, um, it's a report of of revenues when cash is received. Um, It's the reports of expenses when cash is paid out. So in other words, you have cash basis accounting and these are reports. This reports revenues when cash is received and reports expenses when cash is paid. Then you have the accrual basis accounting. And the accrual basis accounting reports uh, revenue in the period when the cash is earned and the report expense when occurred. And I'm gonna say this again slowly and I'm slowing down because I kinda want you to understand. Remember we talked about connotative concepts. Okay, accrual basis accounting reports revenue in the period when cash is earned. Report expense when incurred. That's the accrual basis. So I want to, I want you to understand that. Remember, the cash basis accounting ultimately is used to put reporters or 
debtors in a position where their entire balance sheet of financial accounting is viewed in a capacity which puts them under scrutiny because cash is a non-generally accepted accounting principle. It's a non-GAAP item. So if you're using a cash basis accounting, you have just moved into a non-GAAP item which allows the entity that has substantiated itself to consider that account as a liability. And if it's a liability, a liability is an obligation that has to be repaid and you're going to be viewed under current liability and long-term liability, then you become an asset on another entity's balance sheet. It's a connotative concept, which, if applied to your method of accounting, creates a vacuum of equity. It becomes a vacuum for accounts receivables. becomes a vacuum that extorts away the position of any Article 9 security interest that may be applicable because you have not taken the superior position using the accrual basis accounting. You opted to demonstrate because it's not what you say in commerce, it's what you do that determines who you are. Your actions have been construed as a cash basis. So as an accountant, when I look at your balance sheet, an income statement based upon how these things are being reported. Remember, debtors file, creditors report. So as a creditor, you're reporting that you're using a cash basis method of accounting that immediately places the balance sheet in an adverse position. And under CECL, you're given what we call allowances for credit losses. But those allowances for credit losses will become non-existent if you're in a cash-based accounting model. If you're in an accrual-based method of accounting model, then CISA will, le- will le- let you leverage and actually acquire uh, double value for your credit losses because in order for you to truly hedge against those expenses you have to demonstrate through a three-tier reconciliation system of where you are in the aspect of accounting remember the accounting equation is assets equal liabilities plus equity assets are either general or in or in they're, they're usually tangible or intangible properties owned by a business that have an exchange value. That's what that's what assets are. And then you have what they call current assets. A current asset is an asset expected to be sold within one year. That's a current asset. So if you got an asset that is expected to be sold within one year, that current asset can be used today. It's current. If you got a long-term asset, that's an asset that's expected to be sold. That's that's an asset that's expected to be used for more than one year. 
So a long-term asset, you're going to use it for more than a year. And a current asset is expected to be sold within one year. You see how that kind of works out? Uh, Let's talk about equity just for a second. Well, before we get to equity, let's talk about liability. Again, I just broke down current asset, long-term asset. So let's talk about liability. Remember, assets equal your liabilities plus equity. So the liabilities are an obligation that has to be repaid. And what is a current liability? A current liability that is a liability that must be settled within one year. Mm-hmm. And so what is the long-term liability? Well, long-term liability is a liability, uh, a liability that can be settled over a period longer than one year. So you can have a long-term liability that becomes a current asset. Did you catch that? You can have a current asset that can be reconciled with a long-term liability. Let's talk about the other side of the equation. Then. Okay, uh, we have what they call owner's equity. So, what are what is owner's equity? Well, owner's equity are the rights of owner or, or owners. Rights of owner. So, whenever there are rights, rights can be considered an asset combined with liability. So, let's break down owner's equity. Well, owner's equity... Can, you can go to what we call contributed capital. So contributed capital is an amount invested in a, in a corporation by the owners. The contributed capital. Then you also would have what they call retained earnings. Well, retained earnings is income earned through operations. Wow. So the equity, which are rights of the owners or owners, can be basically broken into contributed capital, which is an amount invested into the corporation by the owners. And then you also have retained earnings, which is the income earned through the operation. So both the retained earnings and contributed capital makes up the equity, which is the rights of the owners. And they're able to to combine that with their long-term liabilities, which become current assets wow now let's let's talk about assets just for a second okay uh a lot of people will will you're gonna you, i know you're gonna probably fumble and stumble over what i just said so i'm gonna clean this up a little bit more all right let's talk about cash because this is an asset that a lot of individuals and again cash paper money coin Bank balances, checks, money orders, bank drafts, cash is usually a current asset. But if it, but it, it if its use is restricted, it could become a long-term asset. See, cash is a non-gap item because it can always have an adverse component. So when you list cash as an asset. It could be restricted. And it can only be used as a long-term asset. And if it's a long-term asset, which is going to be settled over the, a period of, a, of longer than a year, it's going to depreciate. It's going to lose its buying power. And if an asset isn't making money for you, is it really an asset or is it a liability? You see how 
quickly the tide turns. See, another man's trash can actually be another man's treasure. Another man's cash can also become another man's asset. Follow me? Mm. Another man's cash can can become another accountant's asset. Another man's cash can become a trustee's Article 9 security interest. Okay, let's talk about the word skimming. What is skimming? Skimming is the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. Brother Bay, why are we talking about skimming? Well, because we're talking about uh, current expected credit losses. We're talking about skimming because the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. See, tax evasion, if you're a 14th Amendment entity, is not allowed. It's a violation of the rules. See, you have what they call abusive tax practices. And they're saying they're not illegal. It's just that some people abuse them. Which means they have the exorbitant amount of cash, right? And so they fail to list these things. And they they are in direct violation of GAP and FASB. So, just like you get a frivolous filing, they'll ridicule you for skimming. See, you don't have to report all cash receipts if you understand what cash is and what it isn't. Most don't. Thus, they violate the Uniform Commercial Code. Let's talk about the separation of duties. Well, the separation of duty, give an example, cashier does not handle books. I repeat. The separation of duties when dealing with assets is that cashiers does not handle books. The cashier, like I give you an example, if the money taker, if you're in a 14th Amendment structure, the separation of duties doctrine will not allow a cashier to handle the books. So there's a separate department that handles the books. See, if you're a trustee, you can handle the books because the trustees hires the accountant. To provide a third-party endorsement. Let's talk about the internal control of cash. Because, see, we're talking about accounting equation concepts. See, the internal control of cash is the separation of duties. Deposit cash in the bank each day. All disbursements through pre-numbered checks. Uh, they also reconcile bank accounts monthly and they set up petty cash funds. See, these are the internal control of cash. See, when there's a system in play, you got to use an internal control of cash. See, you also have what they call deposits and transit, which is uh, banks have not yet recorded companies' deposits on its books. So you have deposits and transit. Deposits in transit become a ledgering tool when you're dealing with assets. Then you have what they call outstanding checks. See, these checks, checks that have been written but have not yet cleared the bank. You have outstanding checks. Then you're dealing with overdraft, which is writing checks for more money than in the accounts. Then you have an overdraft component. Then you have correcting overdrafts. You know, make deposits to cover the overdraft. Make entry for 
any charges are incurred, many banks will make amounts, will make automatic loans to depositors who have overdrafts and an extra fee is charged for this service. So you're going to have overdraft and then correcting overdrafts. Uh, then you're also going to have what they call petty cash funds. See, a petty cash fund pays for small cash items such as newspapers, delivery uh, funds. You know, it's funds set up in a certain amount of cash and all payments made from this fund are to be reconciled with the signed receipts. Uh, it's a petty cash fund. Then you also deal with what we call accounts receivables. See, account receivables are customers and or promises to pay. A, co- a customer's promise or promise to pay later. Uh, it arises from the business of making sales on credit. See, the accounts receivables are sales on credit. Then you have what they call notes receivables. These are written promises to pay from debtors. And these have what they call discounting note receivables, which is the selling um, of our debtors' notes to banks at a lesser value. And we have to use what they call the computing uh, interest. We use the computing interest um, in an actual ratio of what we call principal times rate times time, e.g. 5,000 times 10% times one year equals $500. Uh, that particular compound interest is actually being used when you're using discounting notes in a, in a notes receivable scenario. We also move into what we call inventory. And inventory is merchandise a firm holds or manufactures. When we're dealing with land, land is uh, any property of a firm which owns and uses for the operation then you have what they call a building a building is any structure a firm owns such as a warehouse or office that's a building then you have equipment uh, office equipment furniture uh, fixtures then we have intangible assets and intangible assets are those that cannot be actually touched, such as patents, copyrights, trademarks, franchises, but they have an intrusive value, they have an equitable value, and they're considered intangible assets, which leads us to the point. General intangible assets is the safest place a trustee can place the first part of his ledger In the next recording, we're going to expound on these assets. We're going to go into liabilities, and we're going to talk about equity. Hopefully, this information is starting to make a little more sense to you. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to really follow this. This is actually what we call the accounting equation part two, and we are breaking down how accounting works. Peace and love, family. Peace and love. Okay, this is your host, Bezel Bay, and you're now tuning in to WTDTA Radio, and this is Trustee Training. And in Trustee Training, it's my job to bring you this information in a way that you can actually understand it, apply it, acquire it, and achieve it. Um, So what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the accounting equations. 
the accounting equations have been kind of the the prerequisite of just how these things kind of all tie in when it comes to current expected credit losses and I'm going to elaborate on the accounting concept and accounting equations for everybody to kind of get a real good idea and I'm actually going to give you an introduction um, to accounting all right so we start with the word accounting itself what is accounting accounting is the information system relating to or relating in the financial activities of a business Okay, under the accounting introduction, you're going to learn about the generally accepted accounting principles. And the, gen the generally accepted accounting principles, which we refer to as GAAP, are the common set of accounting um, principles and procedures. Um, then we're going to talk about the basic methods of accounting. The basic methods of accounting, you're going to have what they call a cash basis um, accounting cash basis. In a cash basis accounting, um, it's a report uh, excuse me, of revenues when cash is received. I mean, it's the reports of expenses when cash is paid out. So in other words, you have cash basis accounting and these are reports. This reports revenues when cash is received and reports expenses when cash is paid. Then you have the accrual basis accounting. And the accrual basis accounting is reports uh, revenue in the period when the cash is earned and the report expense when occurred. And I'm going to say this again slowly. And I'm slowing down because I kind of want you to understand. Remember we talked about connotative concepts. Okay, accrual basis accounting reports revenue in the period when cash is earned. Report expense when incurred. That's the accrual basis. So I want, to I want you to understand that, remember, the cash basis accounting ultimately is used to put reporters or debtors in a position where their entire balance sheet of financial accounting is viewed in a capacity which puts them under scrutiny because cash is a non-generally accepted accounting principle. It's a non-gap item. So if you're using a cash basis accounting, you have just moved into a non-gap item, which allows the entity that has substantiated itself to consider that account as a liability. And if it's a liability, a liability is an obligation that has to be repaid and you're going to be viewed under current liability and long-term liability, then you become an asset on another entity's balance sheet. It's a connotative concept which, if applied to your method of accounting, creates a vacuum of equity it becomes a vacuum for accounts receivables 
becomes a vacuum that extorts away the position of any Article 9 security interest that may be applicable because you have not taken the superior position using the accrual basis accounting. You opted to demonstrate, because it's not what you say in commerce, it's what you do that determines who you are. Your actions have been construed as a cash basis. So as an accountant, when I look at your balance sheet, an income statement, based upon how these things are being reported, remember, debtors file creditors report. So as a creditor, you're reporting that you're using cash basis method of accounting that immediately places the balance sheet in an adverse position. And under CECL, you're given what we call allowances for credit losses. But those allowances for credit losses will become non-existent if you're in a cash based accounting model. If you're in an accrual based method of accounting model, then CECL will let, will let you leverage and actually acquire uh double value for your credit losses because in order for you to truly hedge against those expenses you have to demonstrate through a three-tier reconciliation system of where you are in the aspect of accounting remember the accounting equation is assets equal liabilities plus equity Assets are either general or in, or in, they're, they're usually tangible or intangible properties owned by a business that have an exchange value. That's what that's what assets are. And then you have what they call current assets. A current asset is an asset expected to be sold within one year. That's a current asset. So if you got an asset that is expected to be sold within one year, that current asset can be used today. It's current. If you got a long-term asset, that's an asset that is expected to be sold. That's that's an asset that is expected to be used for more than one year. So a long-term asset, you're going to use it for more than a year. And a current asset, is expected to be sold within one year. You see how that kind of works out? Uh, Let's talk about equity just for a second. Well, before we get to equity, let's talk about liability. Again, I just broke down current asset, long-term asset, so let's talk about liability. Remember, assets equal your liabilities plus equity. So the liabilities are an obligation that has to be repaid. And what is a current liability? A current liability that is a liability that must be settled within one year. Mm-hmm. And so what is the long-term liability? Well, long-term liability is a liability, uh, a liability that can be settled over a period longer than one year. So you can have a long-term liability that becomes a current asset. Did you catch that? You can have a current asset that can be reconciled with a long-term liability. Let's talk about the other side of the equation then. Okay, uh, we have what they call owner's equity. So what are what is owner's equity? Well, owner's equity are the rights of owner or or owners, rights of owner. So whenever there are rights, rights can be considered an asset 
combined with liability. So let's break down owner's equity. Well, owner's equity, you can you can go to what we call contributed capital. So contributed capital is an amount invested in a in a corporation by the owners. The contributed capital. Then you also would have what they call retained earnings. Well, retained earnings is income earned through operations. Wow. So the equity, which are rights of the owners or owners, can be basically broken into contributed capital, which is an amount invested into the corporation by the owners. And then you also have retained earnings, which is the income earned through the operation. So both the retained earnings and contributed capital makes up the equity, which is the rights of the owners, and they're able to to combine that with their long-term liabilities, which become current assets. Wow. Now, let's let's talk about assets just for a second. Okay. Uh, a lot of people will, will you're gonna, you're, I know you're going to probably fumble and stumble over what I just said, so I'm going to clean this up a little bit more. All right. Let's talk about cash because this is an asset that a lot of individuals, and again, cash, paper money, coin, bank balances, checks. Money orders, bank drafts, cash is usually a current asset. But if it, but it, it if its use is restricted, it could become a long-term asset. See, cash is a non-gap item because it can always have an adverse component. So when you list cash as an asset, it could be restricted. And it can only be used as a long-term asset. And if it's a long-term asset, which is going to be settled over a period of of longer than a year, it's going to depreciate. It's going to lose its buying power. And if an asset isn't making money for you, is it really an asset or is it a liability? You see how quickly the tide turns? See, Another man's trash can actually be another man's treasure. Another man's cash can also become another man's asset. You follow me? Hmm. Another man's cash can can become another accountant's asset. Another man's cash can become a trustee's Article 9 security interest. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about the word skimming. What is skimming? Skimming is the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. Brother Bay, why are we talking about skimming? Well, because we're talking about uh, current expected credit losses. We're talking about skimming because the failure to report all cash receipts in order to evade income taxes. See, tax evasion, if you're a 14th Amendment entity, is not allowed. It's a violation of the rules. So you have what they call abusive tax practices. And they're saying they're not illegal. It's just that some people abuse them. Which means they have the exorbitant amount of cash, right? And so they fail to list these things. And they they are in direct violation of GAP and FASB. So just like you get a frivolous filing 
they'll ridicule you for skimming. See, you don't have to report all cash receipts if you understand what cash is and what it isn't. Most don't. Thus, they violate the Uniform Commercial Code. Let's talk about the separation of duties. Well, the separation of duty, give an example, cashier does not handle books. I repeat, the separation of duties when dealing with assets is that cashiers does not handle books. The cashier, like I give an example, if the money taker, if you're in a 14th Amendment structure, the separation of duties doctrine will not allow a cashier to handle the books. So there's a separate department that handles the books. See, if you're a trustee, you can handle the books because the trustees hires the accountant to provide a third-party endorsement. Let's talk about the internal control of cash because, see, we're talking about accounting equation concepts. See, the internal control of cash it's the separation of duties. Deposit cash in the bank each day. All disbursements through pre-numbered checks. Uh, they also reconcile bank accounts monthly and they set up petty cash fund. See, these are the internal control of cash. See, when there's a system in play, you got to use an internal control of cash. So you also have what they call deposits and transit, which is uh, banks have not yet recorded companies' deposits on its books. So you have deposits and transit. Deposits and transit become a ledgering tool when you're dealing with assets. Then you have what they call outstanding checks. And see, these checks, checks that have been written but have not yet cleared the bank. You have outstanding checks. Then you're dealing with overdraft, which is writing checks for more money than in the accounts. Then you have an overdraft component. Then you have correcting overdrafts. Then, you know, make deposits to cover the overdraft and make entry for any charges incurred. Many banks will make amounts, will make automatic loans to depositors who have overdrafts. And an extra fee is charged for this service. So you're going to have overdraft and then correcting overdrafts. Uh, then you're also going to have what they call petty cash funds. See, a petty cash fund pays for small cash items such as newspapers, delivery uh, funds. You know, it's funds set up in a certain amount of cash and all payments made from this fund are to be reconciled with the signed receipts. Uh, it's a petty cash fund. Then you're also dealing with what we call accounts receivables. See, account receivables are customers and or promises to pay. A, a customer's promise or promise to pay later. Uh, it arises from the business of making sales on credit. See, the accounts receivables are sales on credit. Then you have what they call notes receivable. These are written promises to pay from debtors. And these have what they call discounting note receivables, which is the selling um, of our debtors' notes to banks 
at a lesser value and we have to use what they call the computing uh interest we use the computing interest um, in a actual ratio of what we call principal times rate times time, e.g. 5,000 times 10% times one year equals $500. Uh, that particular compound interest is actually being used when you're using discounting notes in a, in a notes receivable scenario. We also move into what we call inventory. And inventory is merchandise, a firm, holds, or manufactures. When we're dealing with land, land is a uh, any property of a firm which owns and uses for the operation then you have what they call a building a building is any structure a firm owns such as a warehouse or office that's a building then you have equipment uh, office equipment furniture uh fixtures then we have intangible assets and intangible assets are those that cannot be actually touched, such as patents, copyrights, trademarks, franchises, but they have an intrusive value, they have an equitable value, and they're considered intangible assets, which leads us to the point. General intangible assets is the safest place a trustee can place the first part of his ledger. In the next recording, we're going to expound on these assets. We're going to go into liabilities, and we're going to talk about equity. Hopefully, this information is starting to make a little more sense to you. Hopefully, uh, you will be able to really follow this. This is actually what we call the accounting equation part two, and we are breaking down how accounting works. Peace and love, family. Peace and love.